God, Jesus comes to us and he tells us some things. Sometimes Jesus speaks in code, right? And you're reading along, you happen to read, you're like, I have no idea what he's talking about, right? Like, what is this son of man stuff? What is this, uh, old, who is this older brother? Sometimes we just don't know. Jesus is talking to friends, his disciples, and then he's talking to people who actually are against him. The Pharisees were a group of people who were against him because he kept offending them almost on purpose because they weren't quite right. And sometimes the Pharisees could think, oh, the older brother in that, in that parable, the prodigal son, the one, the brother who wouldn't go into the party, is that me? Jesus doesn't exactly say. But here today in this text, we have a story of Jesus, and it's pretty clear. All right, yeah, I'm actually talking about you Pharisees, right? He says two guys went up to the temple to pray. One's a Pharisee, all right, now we know it's me, and another one's a tax collector. It'd be like if Jesus said to us, you know, a Republican and a Democrat went to vote. And you're like, oh, I'm one of those. What does Jesus have to say about my group, right? I don't think, well, maybe I'll just do a little quick poll since we're almost about to vote. Anyone in here of the party of Pharisees? <laughs> Bunch of non-voters here. Okay. Uh, many of you probably belong to a political party, or at least you have an affinity with it. If you remember last week, there were some Christians who were of the party of the Pharisees. And they said, hey, you have to follow the law of Moses to be right with God. Right? Remember that? Those people existed for a while at the beginning of the church. It was unusual, but it, there was a group. None of you are of the party of the Pharisees? No. We should probably just close the book and go to prayer. Right? No? Okay. So, since there are no Pharisees here, I'm going to, at risk of a lot of things, I'm going to change the story a little bit. Please have patience with me if it's not quite right, I am not Jesus, but I can just imagine Jesus taking this story today and modifying it a little bit for this place right here. He says, two guys went to church. One, his name was Chris, he was a good guy. He, uh, he may have even wore a button sometimes that says, Kiss me, I'm Lutheran. Anybody want this, by the way? Besides Libby? All right. Kiss Libby. She's Lutheran. All right. Uh, so Chris is a good person. He went to church. And then there's another guy named Louie. He's a loser. He also comes to church. Let me tell you about Chris. Chris almost lives up to his name as a Christian. Now, obviously, on the inside, he's not perfect. But he does a lot of good things. This is his church, or some church is his church. He comes to church. He knows what to expect. He knows when to stand up, sit down, just like all you good Lutherans, right? Stand up, sit down, kneel. Well, we don't kneel. Sometimes we do. You know how to do all that stuff, right? This is your church. Chris was even confirmed as a Lutheran. That means he promised to live as a Christian even if it killed him. Right? This guy's a good guy. He gives money whenever the plate is passed, right? He has a little yellow envelope with his name on it, puts it in, and thus he forgets and feels bad. But he tries, right? He comes to church, this is his place, he's comfortable here. And he's looking around at others and says, well, I'm not as bad as Brett. I'm not as bad as Melissa. I'm not as bad as Ken. I'm better than all those people, right? And, and Jesus tells us about him. Another guy comes in, his name is Louie. He's a loser. He's actually a boozer. He slept in his truck last night at Marvin's, and he still smells like beer when he comes here. 
right? He came across the street. Hasn't even been home yet. He doesn't look so good. He's a loser. You probably don't know anyone like that, but this guy, you know, he knows he's not quite right. He knows he shouldn't do the things he do. He shouldn't look at poor. He, he shouldn't take a little bit extra money out of the till at work. He shouldn't lie to his wife. He shouldn't do all these things, but he does. Right? He's a loser. You probably don't know anyone like that. But Chris, Jesus tells us that when he prays, this guy who's a Pharisee, it says, the Pharisee standing by himself prayed. You see that in your bulletin? This is verse 11. I just want to point this out. Another way to translate this is something like this. The Pharisee standing prayed by himself or literally it's prayed to himself. This good, upright person, who is he praying to? Himself. Who is most important? Himself. He's at the court of heaven. Church is something like a courtroom. And he's here at the courtroom, and he's defending himself. He's saying, I haven't been as bad as those guys. And besides, I do this, and this, and this. Look at all my credentials, God. His viewpoint is this way, compared to other people. I know you and I would never compare ourselves to others, right? But if we did, we might say, you know what? I actually am better than them. Like, I do go to church. Like, look at where your butt is right now. You're sitting in church. You might want to be tempted to give yourself a little check mark. You did it. A couple points in your mind between you and God. Does that make sense? You probably are better than someone else. And then other times you're worse than someone else. When you're better than someone else, you'll be tempted to have pride. I got this. But those times when you know you're worse than others, instead of pride, you have despair. Well, maybe God doesn't actually love me because I don't measure up. The problem when we look at ourselves, when we pray to ourselves and we look and compare ourselves with others, is that we're like this Pharisee. Thank God none of you are the party of Pharisees, right? But we're all tempted to be in that party. But Louis up there, he really is a loser. He doesn't know where he is. He knows he's come here and he's in the presence of something holy. <coughs> this is a holy place and Louis knows he, he does not belong here. This is not his church. He doesn't know the difference between these two books. A hymnal and a Bible. He's never cracked them open. He doesn't know when to stand up. He doesn't know when to sit down. He doesn't know uh, if he should fall over when the pastor tries to chant. You know, he, whatever. He doesn't know what's going on. And so he sits up there in the balcony. And he can't even, he's not worried about comparing himself to others because he knows he doesn't measure up. His orientation, though, is between him and God. And he can barely lift his eyes up, Jesus says, to the altar. He won't even lift his eyes to that altar. But he remembers something as he just peeks up, living up, growing up in America. He sees on that altar a cross. And he knows that, I think that's Jesus. Jesus died on the cross. And there's his five wounds right there. But he's not bringing any points with him. He says, God, be merciful to me. He literally says, the sinner. He's ignored everyone else. I am the sinner. That's Louis. He's a loser. And Jesus says, one of those guys left church and went home justified. Right. Right with God. No one might ask you, why is this such a big deal? Is this an important thing that Jesus is teaching about? 
How important? Help me out. Help me out. Very important. Is there anything more important? I know your relationship to family is very important. How you care about our nation is very important. Your hobbies, your jobs, all those things are very important. But is there anything more important between you and God? No. That's why you guys know that. That's why you're not a party of the Pharisees. Thank God. So, so we have some people in our church who are retired firefighters. Would a firefighter fighter ever go into a building that was burning without their fire suit on? Not unless they were foolish, right? They wouldn't do that. Would an astronaut go to outer space without a space suit on? Not unless they're foolish, right? It wouldn't work out so well. We are to have a suit as well, and I'll call this the glory suit. The glory suit. Now, I've said this before, and I'm sorry, as a, as a pastor, uh, I repeat what Pastor B said. I only have one set of stories, so if I repeat it, I'm sorry. But think for a moment. It's a nice, sunny day. Any of you going to go outside and just stare at the sun for a while? No, right? It'll burn your eyeballs out after a while, right? So now think for a moment. Could you be in the presence of the one who, figuratively speaking, holds all the stars and suns in his hands, and they're almost nothing to him? If by looking at one of the things he created will burn your eyeballs out, could you be in his presence without a glory suit? No. You can't be in the presence of God without a glory suit. Does that make sense? Yeah, okay. Speaking of needing a glory suit, look in your bulletin in Romans chapter 3. This is a verse that you should all know, even if this is your first time coming to church. Get a Bible, highlight this. I'm sure you understand it. It says this, verse 23. There's no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us have lost our glory suit. Make sense? We've lost it. Adam and Eve, they walked and talked with God. Were they ashamed? Were they afraid? Were they angry? Hiding? No, none of that. They could walk and talk with God because they were made with glory. But we all, along with them, have fallen from glory. We don't have our glory suit anymore. Verse 24 goes on and says, you back up, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by His grace as a gift, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So all of us have a glory suit for, you know, provided for us, and it's the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. It's been bought, that's what it means to be redeemed. It's been bought purchased, allotted for you. It's prepared for you. Is it free? It's not a trick question. Is it free? Yes, it's free. Is it cheap? No, it's priceless. It's priceless. It comes as Paul continues. This redemption is in Christ Jesus. It cost him his life. He is the one whom God put forward as a fancy theological word, propitiation by his blood. To be received by faith. It's free, but it is not cheap, but it is for you. And as we close, I just want to look at that one word, that word propitiation. All right? You probably don't use that. Have you used that in the last week? <coughs> no, probably not. Maybe you've never used that word. Maybe when you get to that word, you're like, um, right? Yeah. It's not a common word for us. It was a common word for the Jews of Jesus' day. Look back at your gospel text. Louis up there says, God, what? 
God, be merciful to me, the sinner. When he says, be merciful, that's a different word than the usual word for mercy. Usual, usually, mercy just means apply your kindness to me. Have compassion on me. That's what it means to be merciful. This is a different word. This is a word that is the same word as propitiate. He's literally saying, God, propitiate me. Now, you don't know what that means, right? You might be confused. But he's saying, God, propitiate me. What that means is basically, God, cover my sins and take them away. And it makes a lot more sense to Jewish folks than it does to us. In the Old Testament, they set up, God set up a system that people would know they were forgiven. And so there was the, the tabernacle, later the temple. And in the temple, there was the holy place. And inside the, of that, there was the most holy place, or the holy of holies. It was the place where God chose to dwell and to show his forgiveness. Inside that room, that holy of holy rooms, there was a box called the ark. And it was covered in gold. Inside it was several things. One was the Ten Commandments that we all have broken, right? And because God is holy, that was a holy place. But that was the place where God's grace or God's covering of sin was shown. You guys have heard of Yom Kippur? Just have to know, just Jewish people just celebrated it this month. Yom Kippur means the Day of Atonement. Right? There is no more real Yom Kippur because Jewish people don't sacrifice animals. But it used to be at the temple they would sacrifice a lamb. On that day, the Day of Atonement, once a year the high priest would dress up in his holy suit, the one that God described. He would go into the Holy of Holies and had two things in his hand. One hand he had blood from a lamb or a goat that would be sprinkled over that box to cover it. The other hand would be incense to symbolize worship and thanksgiving. The holy priest would go in there, and he would have a rope tied around his waist, because if he dropped dead, no one else could go in there. Why not? It's a holy place. That is something like eternity. We can't get there and be safe without a glory suit. The glory suit is provided by the blood of the Lamb, who is Jesus. We know this from John chapter 1. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who carries away the sin of the world. Jesus is the one who propitiates or has mercy on us, carries away our sin. So not only is our slate, uh, our slate wiped clean, as great as that is, we're forgiven. It's something different. We're giving, given a glory suit, the glory suit of Jesus, his own righteousness. So like Louie back there, I invite you to be a loser. <laughs> Be a loser who receives by faith this gift. Who says, God, be merciful to me. Because he does. In the name of Jesus.